Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Tuesday, early afternoon, late morning, early afternoon. Joining me from New York City is Tim Bonteps. Hello, everybody. Somehow covering the finals with me here in Miami, but not actually in Miami. Uh, instead, it, in Dallas, uh, is Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. Nothing like starting a pot off with a little bit of windy whining. Hey, how much sleep did you get last night, Wendy? We all want to hear about that, too. Anyway, and our special guest for preview game three of the uh, NBA finals, Bang Bang George Niang from the Philadelphia 76ers. Actually, I shouldn't say that. George Niang, mm. first off, thank you for joining us from outside Boston, where you're from, Lawrence, Massachusetts, uh, George. But let's let the world know you will be an unrestricted free agent on July 1st. So I don't want to make any assumptions, but of the Philadelphia 76ers, George Niang. I appreciate that. Thank you guys for having me on. We got we to gotta go with the best nickname in the NBA, the minivan. I mean, bang, bang sounds cool, but this is the minivan. The best nickname in the league. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to assume that he likes it. You gave yourself that nickname, didn't you? I don't want to get too deep into the story, but, you know, I was basically hinting to my teammates that, you know, they were wondering why I was moving around not as fast. And I was like, listen, I'm not like you Ferraris. <laughs> I'm more like a minivan. I need a couple <laughs> laps around the block before I get <laughs> So, and then, and then it stuck. And then I got to Philly and I was like, this is a, you know, a real sports city. They're going to crush me for this nickname, but they embraced <laughs> it or they changed it to bang, bang, Niang. So it's been great. Well, I've been playing way, pickup way... ball lately. I'm like a 1962 broken down bus. I just don't get okay. going. <laughs> George, I, here's the thing. I'm going to just tell you a little story. So there's pickup runs that happened during the finals with the media and McMahon you know, he's, you know, very accomplished high school basketball player. He's like all of a sudden getting like really serious. Like he's like drinking a bunch of water. He's like skipping meals. He's like, like getting icy hot treatments and this is true. Ice, ice baths. It's kind of (laughs) hilarious to watch. Listen, Um, it's a, it's a matter of survival. It's, It's not about, it's about being able to walk the next day, unfortunately. A little, a little yeah. thing you make it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, well, let me ask you this, George. What do you, uh, you, you were in a high stakes series that Bontemps and I covered with the Celtics. Uh, you guys uh, went, went seven there. Are you able at the end of the season to just keep watching? Cause I hear these guys and they go, Oh, I'm not watching. I can't take it. Have you been watching the rest of the playoffs in the finals so far? Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously game one is, uh, you know, is one that I usually am like in and out of watching. Like I'll I'll probably find something to do, but for the most part, it's like, I almost like punish myself. I feel like I've said it before and like watching every game and feeling that disgusting feeling that I've felt seven out of the seven years that I've, you know, been in the NBA um, and just watching it and, and trying to go into every summer, you know, remembering that feeling. But I mean, there's been some, unexpected things there's been some great things uh, there's been some great games it's uh overall the product has been uh it has been amazing and it's been a lot of fun to watch yeah for sure you know, um you gotta you gotta love the, all the three-point shooting though this is basically like i know we're in a three-point shooting era but this is like this is this series is like going to be probably defined by whether or not the heat continue to make threes or not i, I i've never seen a team that's so dependent on three-point shooting and that's what you do i mean it's like a it's a big part of your life. Yeah, no, for sure. It's exciting. And uh, I've always been told three is worth more than two. So um, it's a uh, savvy. It's it's definitely going to come down to, you know, the Miami heat making shots. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give a quick little shout out to my boy, Duncan Robinson. He had two layups last game. I almost texted him like, Hey, what are you, what are you doing inside there? But <laughs> you know, credit to him. He's kind of evolved his game you know, over, over the course of years. And he had a big three or a big two threes that he hit, I think it was in the second half. So ultimately I'm excited to see that the three pointer era stick around because it helps me uh, keep a job year in and year out. 30 second hey, time. Duncan, Duncan, did he change his phone number? Because you know, his phone, he got doxxed. Oh, oh, 
Did he, did he real? I don't think he has. <laughs> I have the right one. Okay. Because, you know, he had, he said he had his same phone number since he was uh, a teenager and like he got docs on some like Celtics fan site. And, <laughs> no, he actually has, yeah. had, he actually has had the same phone number now that I think about it. Yes. Okay. Well, I am, I'm actually happy that he kept the same phone number that he well, didn't yield to the fans. I want to detour briefly. Cause did you, you guys are obviously both New England guys, George, I know you're on the same age. Did you guys play AAU ball together or against each other oh. in high school or anything? So funny story is, is me and Duncan would like work out together. And he was always like, they were always like the kid that, you know, has lanky, has talent, you know, but just was like, everybody looked at him and like label, you know, labels are put on people pretty early. Like, oh, he'll be a great division three player. And he didn't really go to like a powerhouse prep school. Mm-hmm. He went to a, a smaller prep school called Governor's Academy, um, which not a lot of people play against or like I went to Tilton and we played against guys like Mitch McGarry at Brewster, you know, Noah Vaughn lay at New Hampton, Nerlens Noel was on my team. So he wasn't in that, you know, scene. And then he didn't play for, you know, a shoe sponsored AAU team. So he was just always labeled as that division three guy, but he was always like that size and could really shoot it. But in this area, a lot of division threes play that pace and space, you know, get as much threes, get as many threes up as you can. Um, So we would work out together. And I remember someone telling him, telling me like that kid's going to be an NBA player. And I always had a chip on my shoulder and nobody told me I was an NBA player. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, man, get the heck out of here. Like there's no flipping way. And, you know, credit to him. Uh, I've even told him this story. It's just his work ethic is, is unmatched. You know, his, his will to just keep fighting, keep, dealing with it, what he's had to deal with. I mean, look at the last two years and to just come out on top is, is really impressive. But yeah, we, we grew up together. We played AAU against each other, um, worked out a, a ton together. So I'm just extremely happy that, you know, he's gotten what he's worked for and gotten what he's deserved. So he had That's- that flurry in the fourth quarter, right? He had the 10 points in the fourth quarter. And you mentioned a couple of those are on layups, off the dribble, tough layup. And the man busted out a flex and a mean mug. It was a flex mean mug combo. How, <laughs> how often have you seen Duncan Robinson with a flex mean mug combo? <laughs> to be honest with you, I've never seen it. But through all the BS that he's had to deal with this year, I was like, I was happy for him. Uh, I was actually with someone that, you know, obviously we're cheering for him because, you know, he's our guy. And I was with someone that was like, God, he... I'm happy for him, but he didn't even look right doing that. But <laughs> which is Duncan. I mean, he's the nicest guy ever, ultimate competitor, but he doesn't show it outwardly. So for him to do that, and then I love the one in the Boston series. That was awesome. Um, you know, just a just a a fun kid, and, and I'm happy that he gets to show off a little bit of his personality that he wouldn't show off mm-hmm. in public, but behind closed doors with all of our buddies. He would do something like that, so it it was funny to see. Yeah, um, McMahon also attended um, a private school in New England. Um, uh, when he my, was in high mine school. was a uh, mine was more of a character development school, which is a, <laughs> a nice way to say reform school. But yes, <laughs> which which one would that be? Winchenden, uh, Hyde School in in Bath, Maine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you this: I was up in Tilton, New Hampshire, and that's an hour and a half from Boston. When we played hide in football, it was a four-hour ride up to the Hyde Main School. Yeah, I'm not trying to brag, but I did have the game winning touchdown against Tilton my senior year. Yeah. <laughs> hey, keep holding on to that yearbook, all right? <laughs> it, was, hey, it, was, it, was, it was damn near 30 years ago, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm Al Bundy here, baby. I'll get my hand down my pants bragging about high school football. <laughs> George played in the same conference as Duncan Robinson and Tim McMahon. That's, that's kind of, uh, <laughs> now kind of I, I would know. assume. So like there were level like Hyde, we, we played like the new England prep, but we were like class D and like, I assume you were playing in like the class. Cause I think Tilton, if I recall correctly, class there was D. like a top level basketball team. And then the team we played against, it was like, we were class B and like, we we were in the lakes region, which were a bunch of other class A's. Um, so we play them, but you know, class B was we were like second tier. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we, we talk about we, the we NBA. We weren't hanging with those big boys. Yeah, well, let's talk about the <laughs> NBA. My, my, 
We'll talk about my high school glory days offline all day long. <laughs> uh, George, what have you uh, made of this final so far? Um, obviously, it's been sort of unexpected the way it's gone to be 1-1. Um, and Denver obviously is still favored, but you know Miami has been so impressive in this run. And we have, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen these two games this week here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of crazy. I mean, game one, you kind of expected that, right? Miami played a long, drawn-out series. You know, Denver was waiting for them. You have to come and play in altitude after having a, a, a seven-game series. So Denver kind of had control of that game one um, the whole time, being up 20 at one point. You know, Miami fought back. But then you kind of expected game two. You know, it's human nature for Denver to kind of let off the gas, considering, you know, they handled Miami pretty easily in game one. So when they when Miami uh, got out to a big lead, I was like, you know, that's typical. They're going to throw their haymakers early on. And then when Denver went up, I think it was like eight or 10, you know, nearing like the second end of the second quarter, you know, I was like, man, they handled their punch and now they're up. And then I was watching the game in the third quarter. I'm like, man, Denver has seemed to play so well and they handled their punch, but they're only up three points. Like I, I remember being on a bench in the playoffs being like, you feel like you're playing well and the other team's only down three points. You're like, this isn't a good feeling. And then Miami just does Miami stuff. Like, I think we all know it. You are never going to have a Miami team that is just going to beat themselves, right? You're going to have to go out there and beat them every night. Why? They're disciplined. They play hard every night. And they just know who they are as role players. Whether it's Caleb Martin, Max Struess, you know, Bam Adebayo. They know... Gabe Vincent, Jimmy Butler's doing what he's doing. Um, Kyle Lowry and his new role. Um, they're just never going to beat themselves. So like you, I mean, I would assume that Denver's going to come out, you know, looking for some revenge in game three, but playing down to Miami is, is not easy. You know, everybody's wearing white. They're playing that, you know, bad bunny over the, over the arena speakers and it gets crazy in there. Miami never quits. They these guys have come back from double figures down seven times in the playoffs, and that's the most by any team over the last seven years, matching like a handful of teams. One of those is the bubble heat. Like these guys just never ever you can never say, okay, hey, we got them now. I mean, it's it's their culture. It's what Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra have have done for years. And the, those guys, they find nitty-gritty guys, undrafted guys that are just going to go out there and, and play as hard as they can. And I remember when I first got in the league, someone told me, they're like, if if you can play hard, if you can have a team that plays hard every single night, you can easily win half your games, 100%. Well, you have a unique perspective too, George, because you played against Denver in the bubble with Utah, and then you played Miami last year with Philly. What what is your What do you sort of think back on playing both those teams in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean – Miami is uh they're they're smart um you know and like I said they they play really hard uh, and they play with a ton of energy so you could be up 20 points and thinking that it's over and they're thinking they still have a chance which you know never never feels good right it's human nature to kind of relax when you're up 20 those guys are playing until it, it's zeros on the clock and then you have that Jamal Murray Jokic combo package and then you have Aaron Gordon who's cutting and getting dunks and then you have Michael Porter who is a you know a three-point assassin so Denver offers up their problems but the one thing that I liked that Miami did was having Jamal Murray you know run off all these screens whether he thinks he can hide on you know some of these shooters and whether it's going into a double drag or a double ball screen to start the offense to get him on the ball and basically exhaust him because towards the end, he looked like he was exhausted. He's chasing Duncan Robinson around. Then he's getting switched onto the ball. Then he has to be in every offensive action. And I, I think it showed late, you know, late in the game, you know, that he was, you know, extremely fatigued. And you got to credit Miami for, you know, exposing that. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that has been interesting about this is we could go over strategy and we could go over little moves that have been made here and there and, you know, just how they've decided to play the pick and roll and whatever. Miami in game one missed a bunch of open threes. And in game two, they made a bunch of open threes and it completely changed their outlook. And I think kind of what happened was 
I think Denver's coaching staff was a little bit frustrated and how they played in game one. And they kind of tried to like prod like, Hey, they, we go up a lot of open shots, you know, but the, the nuggets hadn't lost in a month. They're flying high and they kind of got the same amount of open shots in game two and they lost it. And I don't really, I really would not, I really wish it wasn't just this simple, but I, I kind of think it might just be the three point shooting, George. I kind of think that if the heat hit the threes, they're going to have a chance to win more games. And if they don't, Denver is going to get them because Denver Denver's offense remains awesome. I don't see how you slow them down. I, I really don't see like Miami is being like, you know, trumpeted for making Jokic a passer. They shot 52% or I'm sorry, make Jokic a score, not mm-hmm. a passer. They still shot 52% in game two and had like uh, an efficiency that was like higher than their average. Honestly, I think, I think Miami's just got to hit the threes. And if they do that, I think they'll have a shot and they got to do it three more times is basically what I'm thinking. No, and they've been streaky all year, right? You know, they've had guys that, you know, are career 40% shooters that finished a year shooting 35 or 36. So it's kind of been a streaky thing with them. And, you know, a credit to them, they are making Jokic a score, but they did only lose by three points, you know? So right, you, it, it's give or take, right? Miami made shots and still only won by three points. Like how much more comfortable are you feeling? Um, you know, and I, when I look back at it, I'm like, gosh, Jokic had 41, you know, Aaron Gordon, you know, made a majority of his shots, but then like Jamal Murray only had 18 points. He's apt to go off. And if both of them go off, then I'm not sure if it matters if Miami makes threes or not. But then again, Miami does do a great job, you know, on the defensive end to, of, from taking certain things away. And like I said before, tiring Jamal Murray out. Um, so we'll see game three, but Miami to even be in the game is going to have to make threes. I'm, I'll completely agree with you on that. Did you have any issue with um, Michael Malone not calling timeout? Before that last play, I, I looked at that and said, Jamal Murray got a decent look at a three. It went back rim. But, like, are you going to draw something up to get a better look than that? Yeah, I mean, there's certain teams that you'd want to call a timeout, but I would never want to call a timeout against Miami because their set defense I would is probably a, a top five set defense. I don't know the metrics, but if I'm just out there with, with just looking, mm-hmm. I, I want them helter-skelter not being able to get their matchup, not be Jimmy Butler being able to climb into someone. So I give a lot of credit to Mike Malone thinking about that on the fly in the finals, letting, you know, Jamal Murray kind of just roll. You kind of roll with your, uh, your superstars at this point. I know me and me and Tim talked about that. You know, you kind of just got to roll with your superstars and, and have them carry you. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. They call it running a business for a reason, because every day feels like a sprint to the finish. It takes a lot of work to make it all work, but with Clover and Merchant One, you're always a step ahead. Now is the perfect time to upgrade your point of sale technology. We make it easy to accept payments, run your entire business, and sell more. Clover plus Merchant One, better business solutions. Go to clover.com slash M1 to get started. ask you this if you, Tyler Hero hasn't played in seven weeks I'm not going to assume I know how he feels but I know he's been doing contact practice for a week now it is the NBA finals I would think after contact practice for a week you'd probably be ready to come back uh the heat of course are not going to sh- you know say for sure this is a tough call normally you'd be like this guy's a uh, uh 20 point per game scorer 
he led them in threes per game and three pointers attempted per game. We always just talked about how important their three point shooting is and the variance of their three point shooting, you know, to get another guy who can be hot. They have, they gave this guy $120 million contract last fall because, you know, they know he's such an important player coming off six man of the year, but Duncan has gotten his minutes and been great. Gabe Vincent has gotten some of his, uh, even though Gabe's playing more of the one than, than Tyler would play the two, but Gabe Vincent has picked up some of the scoring since he went out. This is a tough call, George. Like, um, I'm sure Tyler wants to get back in there, but you know, normally you'd say, Oh my God, you get this guy in instantaneously, but I, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I, can you imagine being out seven weeks and then stepping into the NBA finals? I mean, it's, it's a, it's quite a situation. Yeah, you know, 100%. And uh, I'll be honest with you, they definitely do not pay me enough to make those type of decisions. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think if he's ready to go, you, you definitely got to give it a shot, right? I mean, you invested in this guy, um, you know, he's someone that's a part of your, I would assume, part of your future, part of your team. Yes, you have made it three rounds um, without him. But at the same time, um, you know, Tyler Hero can score the ball, and in mm-hmm. the finals, you're going to need um, points. With that being said, do I think you just off the cusp, like he's out there 25, 30 minutes? No. I mean, I, I, w- I would say you give this guy, you know, a certain amount of run and, and see how that goes, see how your team flows with it, and you go from there. You know, I'm, I'm sure at this point, you know, they're thinking, how can we implement him and, you know, have that help with the trajectory of our team? Um, but with that being said, Tyler Hero can really score. You need points against uh, the Denver Nuggets. I don't know when, but I would assume from you know what I've seen in my time in the NBA, you probably wait until he came back home before you um, put him out there. So maybe game three plays, maybe game four. But uh, if I were a betting man, but not on the NBA, uh, <laughs> I would um, I would say that he'd play in either of these two games. Could you imagine did, coming back in the finals after seven weeks? And not only is it the finals, but you're in the Colorado mile high air. <laughs> that would be, uh, I, I, I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. How do you got, if, if you were on the team, George, and you got, you, you know, like Brian said, Gabe, Duncan, Kyle, all these guys are rolling. Sort of what is the feeling in the room when you're trying to figure out what to do with a guy like Tyler, who, like you said, is a huge part of their team and trying to figure out what to do in terms of how to bring him back at this point in the season. You know, on any other team, I would assume that there would be some animosity, you know, some, but the way the Miami heat are programmed, it's almost like we're here, like, let's figure it out. And that's why a guy like Udonis Haslam is so valuable because he's checking all that at the front door. And uh, if you want me to be honest with you, I'm sure on any other team, there'd be a lot of like, oh, I don't like this. This isn't fair. F this. And other people are trying to tell you, like, we're in the finals. Like, we're so close. How are we going to let this? Like, we just split with them on their home court. But the way that history has has played this out, like the way the Heat are, their culture, they just don't let these minuscule distractions stop them. Like, you think about the Miami Heat this year. They lost the playing game. People are riding them off like – Oh, they've had all this drama, this, that, and the third. And now what? Fast forward two months later, and they're tied 1-1 going home in the finals. It's just mm-hmm. their DNA and who they are. They What they talk about is really who they are. And uh, any other team, I'd be like, you know, maybe that'd be an issue. But on this one, I'm like, this is – Eric Spolster is not afraid to make the big decision. Pat Riley isn't afraid to make the big decision. Those guys do a really great job over there. Yeah, it's it's a I think it's a tough call. I also think that the Heat are going to posture. We haven't heard um, the Heat's uh, interviews today. I'm well, I'm going to go over in a few minutes here, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat postured that he would play. And the reason I say that is because the other night, like it's been re- it's being reported all over the media that Kevin Love was going to start, which mm-hmm. which by the way made total sense. It wasn't like that was a shocker, and. And I've seen this before from Spo. This wasn't surprising. But, you know, before the game, it was like, hey, is Kevin Love going to start? And he was like, oh, I can't confirm that. I haven't even decided, you know, uh, you know, he's, you know, put up this big, you know, which is what he should do. He's not supposed to show his hand. But then he got asked about Tyler Hero, who he's basically refused to give an update on for like a month. And he's like, oh, 
I'll give you an update. He's doing really good. You know, we could see him back any day now. Like shot the hell out of the ball the other day. Yeah. Oh my God. He couldn't miss in practice. Oh man. He was probably shooting 80%. Because I think he wants, if nothing, I mean, their big decision is going to be their big decision no matter what. Mm -hmm. But he wants the Nuggets to prepare for it. And, you know, in talking to some folks with the Nuggets, like they've been talking about it already. Like, you know, what do you think they'll do? I don't know. What do you think they'll do? What would, what would we do? I don't know. What do you think they'll do? Like, I'm not saying it's going to like derail their game three game plan, but like, uh, I think that, you know, it behooves the heat to, um, to, to play the game a little bit here uh, with this. It's interesting. You mentioned Jamal Murray and tiring him out, George, because one of the things there's been so much attention on, on the Jokic game plan, but like the way they realign their defense in game two, they put Jimmy Butler on Murray and his touches went way down. He obviously had a great finish to the game. So his scoring was still pretty good. And I, and Steve Kerr was talking about this with Draymond on Draymond's podcast. And Steve Kerr said, it looked to him like the heat basically decided that Murray was the guy that they were going to try to stop uh, or at least limit that their game plan. Isn't really about Jokic as much as it's about Murray. Uh, and Jokic is sort of the side beneficiary of that because there is no way to, sh- to stop Jokic, but they might be able to limit Murray. And that might actually be what the heat are trying to do. And so one of the things that I'm going to be watching, you know, first off when Steve Kerr talks like that, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say, huh, that's a good point, Steve. I think you might have something there. But I'm also going to watch what Denver might have up its sleeve to get Butler away from Murray to get that two-man game going again, which was kind of turned off a little bit for most of game uh, two. Right, yeah. You know, with that happening, I wonder if you get the ball to Jokic, um, whether if you have Bruce Brown bring the ball up or someone else bring the ball up, whether it's Aaron Gordon and you have Jamal Murray play out of that uh, strong side corner with a DHO with – with with uh with Jokic to kind of get some remedy of going with that pick and roll two man game because when he's bringing the ball up and you are right and and Jimmy Butler's on the ball it doesn't allow him to reject to iso to get to the rim where he's sneak driving and not going to Jokic and getting those easy points and easy fouls that he has but that is a good point because if you slow down uh, Jamal Murray it kind of takes away from their whole offense, even though it's been really efficient, you know, because Michael Porter is almost dependent on, you know, getting the ball from Jokic or Jamal Murray getting in the lane. And so is an Aaron Gordon. And so isn't that fifth guy that's usually out there with them. So um, to be honest with you, taking away Jamal Murray might be the Heat's best bet. But with that being said, I'm still holding on to it that Jamal Murray is going to have an explosion. I mean, that kid... I've seen it before in a playoff game. I mean, I know it was only the first round, uh, but then it was in the bubble. I've seen him. <laughs> he was pretty good. You saw, you <laughs> saw it for sure. <laughs> go, go for 50. So there's no way I'm just going to count him out. And he's been really good at adjusting um, this whole playoffs. So um, I'm excited to see what he does. Definitely down in Miami. And, and Murray's confidence never wavers. I mean, you go back to when he had the 23.4th quarter against the Lakers. He was he had a rough night for most of that night. Next thing you know, he's just taking over the game. But, you know, it's interesting because when we had Mike Brown on uh, before the finals for a little finals preview pod, I asked him, hey, you know, how how do you approach defending Joker? And he basically said, don't you don't let him score, but you do try to make him a score. Now, Ramona asked Spo or attempted to ask Spo a version of that question, and Spo kind of snapped and said, "You know that we're not. You know that's ridiculous. The untrained eye, you can't do." But <laughs> when the, you look at the numbers, when Joker's assists are down, the Nuggets are—I I think it's like six or fewer this year. They're three and eight now, and Joker he wants to have games like Game One, where he's getting his twenty-seven points, but. He had more assists than field goal attempts. He doesn't want to shoot 28 times in a game like he did in game two. They want the ball hopping around, but the 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 heat basically made him become a, a volume scorer in game two. And and you know, we all know that's not the way the Joker wants to play. Right. And we say all this, but like let's Brian, you you said it best that the heat do need to make threes but they still only lost by three points. Like I can't, I can't see another game where Jamal Murray is held under 20 points. But with that being said, I don't know if I could see another game 
where Jimmy Butler doesn't like explode or go off because he's apt to have a crazy game, especially back home in Miami. Mm-hmm. Not sure how, how healthy he is. I'm it's it's I'm very wary of saying that because last year I've said this before, George, I was covering the Eastern conference finals and I thought Jimmy was cooked because he hurt mm-hmm. his knee in games four and five. And I was like, man, this series is over. And then he was like incredible in six and seven. So but he basically hasn't had an explosive, like by his standards, an explosive scoring game since he twisted that ankle in New York. Right. So I don't know. I mean, but you know, by the way, it says a lot about the Heat that they're still able to win without him having those forty or fifty point games, mm-hmm. um, because you know they're getting scoring from Gabe Vincent, they're getting scoring from Duncan. Um, you know, they're, they're you know Bam. Bam's had two twenty point games after mm-hmm. not having a great conference finals, so. Um, you know, there's something to be said for that. And, and, um, and that factors that, you know, George mentioned how critical he thought putting Jimmy on Jamal was like, you're talking about a guy who's well into his thirties and has been playing insane minutes and is dealing with all kinds of nagging and stuff. I'm sure part of that decision-making process is basically how much can we ask of Jimmy physically and then still expect him to, you know, kind of be the, the go-to guy on the offensive end. Right. All right. Well, George, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about if you decide to remain with the Sixers, the new coach, Nick Nurse, who's, you know, we know Nick really well. And uh, what you think about him coming to the Sixers and, you know, potentially if you come back, which I'm sure the Sixers want to keep you. But uh, what you thought about that move? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, um, you know, bringing in a guy that, you know, is a basketball savant. Right. He knows how to junk up games. He knows how to draw ETOs, run offense, and then junk defenses, and then how to play defense. Um, He's done a great job. His Toronto teams were always tough to guard, and they were always tough to score against. Um, So I was uh, extremely pleased, you know, to to see that, you know, they hired him um, and that, you know, they're moving in – you know, that, that direction, obviously it was unfortunate, you know, what happened uh, with doc, but um, you know, that happens in the league all the time, right. You know, there's expectation. And when that's not met, you know, teams kind of just shift. So uh, it's exciting. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in free agency. I love being in Philadelphia. I love the organization and, you know, obviously having Nick nurse there is like, you know, he values, you know, smart players and uh i feel like i kind of fit that realm and i i'd I'd be excited to definitely play for him if if that opportunity let me me tell you why nick would really want to keep you because nick is iowa through and through (laughs) you have anything not not the three-point shooting the iowa connections yeah Yeah. forget about forget about the fact that you shoot over 40 percent from three where that's like super valued (laughs) no forget about that you know you were a cyclone and even though he is a, he's a UNI guy, right, Bontemps? Uh, yes, he is. Yeah, he's a court warrant, but, uh, I believe. But still, I just got to tell you that the man is, if, you, if you've been through Iowa, you've gained the man's respect. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, I've, been there, I've been there more than once. <laughs> well, right. George, in all, in all seriousness, you're coming off three straight 40% three-point shooting seasons. You hit. Five, you had, took five threes a game, hit 40% of your threes each of the past two years, proven to be a lockdown three-point shooter. We spent all this time talking about three-point shooting. What What is your approach going into free agency this summer? What are you uh, looking to do? Yeah, you know, basically, you know, joining a team, you know, where, you know, I'm continue to be valued, where I can, they believe in me and that I can help the team and continue to grow into a role that, you know, you know, eventually leads to, to winning, right? You, People talk about, oh, you know, this, that, but you want to go to a workplace where you're valued and you enjoy going to work every day. As much as people think 82 games flies by, it's a long freaking season. I mean, sometimes they don't even let you guys fly on uncharted planes. So I don't even know how you guys do it. Sometimes. Um, how about all the time? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so uh, somewhere where I'm valued, um, you know, somewhere where I can continue to grow and help the team. Um, with my abilities. Um, and like I said, being in an environment where it's enjoyable and, and we can win. Well, you, you mentioned it before. Um, 
when you said you played seven years in the league, like I, were you on the team with Nerlens and MCW when you were playing Michael Carter Williams as a, when you were playing in AAU ball? That was such a long time ago. I, I was, I was. And then they told me I had to repeat. A great- <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, like, how does it feel to be a guy who, you know, because you, you, like you said, you had to grind your way into the league and now you've played seven years. You're going to, I'll but certainly sign a multi-year deal this summer. Like you're going to be, you know, very likely a double digit year NBA player. What, what, how does it feel to be able to sort of look at your career like that now? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is, is I grew up in Boston and I remember uh, an interview with Kevin Garnett and someone was like, have you sat back and, and thought about everything that you've done? And he was like, no, I haven't because I don't want to look back and be satisfied and, and not continue to grow and, and get everything that I've wanted in my life. And that's kind of been the same thing for me as every, before every off season, I'm like, Oh, I'll have an off season that I can just relax. And you know what I mean? Things will just play out. And then three weeks go by and I'm paranoid again. It's just because I've been, I've been cut. I've been told I wasn't good enough. So every year it's just, I'm constantly chipping away at stuff that I feel like people uh, nag on me for whether if it's you know defense or shooting on the move or you know driving to the rim it's I'm always trying to perfect something to where you know I can continue to have a job and um, do it at a high level because uh, in this in this game it's like a race and there's constantly someone chasing you from behind that's true I will say you're in your prime you've been healthy knock on wood and you make the three-pointer get your money buddy get your money. Now is the time. Get your money. You've earned it. And um, thank you so much for spending some time with us. And uh, we wish you, we'll see you next season. We wish you luck. And hopefully we talking to somebody else about you in the finals next year, whether it's in Philly or somebody else. There we go. I love that. Hey, you guys have fun covering the finals and uh hey tim if you're supposed to be in miami be in miami man <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm, I'm exactly where i'm supposed to be don't you let let, let wendy worry about my assignments get off, get off the luca gravy train man. <laughs> hey wendy's a high minutes guy i just play my role off the bench you should be hey, able to relate to that i know that <laughs> thanks for having me on guys thanks appreciate thanks, it more hoop collective podcast after this Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. All right, Bontemps, thank you for helping us get George. That was your guy. You, you tracked him down. And now it's your time to shine with trivia, which is uh, presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. And now to present today's trivia question, the whiz of the quiz, Tim Bontemps. Yeah, George is awesome, as you guys can see. One of the nicest guys in the uh, in the league, as Tim also knows from covering him in Utah. Um, Speaking of George and three-point shooting, though, we talked a lot with him about the Miami Heat's three-point shooting. There is one team in the history of the NBA that has made more threes and has a higher percentage from three in a postseason than this year's Miami Heat. Who is it? Made more and had a higher percentage, so it's certainly recent. You would think? It's it's not the 11 Mavs, is it? It is not. Okay, they had that they had that crazy the closeout Memorial Day massacre of the Lakers where I forgot the exact numbers, but they shot <laughs> they shot they shot a high percentage. I think it's about the same, but they did not make nearly as many. Yeah, games. the volume's got to be last okay, five so, years. Okay, so 
if it's total threes made, not just percentage, right? So that it's, they had to both. have gone. It's both. Okay, but but they had to have gone deep. We're not talking about a team that got knocked out in the first round, but was that is correct. That is correct. Okay, so I will. So it's got to be a conference finals or finals team. I think I feel like saying the Warriors would be too easy. Right. Um, he wouldn't ask it if it was the Warriors. Was it? What so, was it? One of the Warriors teams, Bon Temps. Uh, that is I will correct. say it's the. It is. It was one, one of the Warriors teams. teams. Oh. That's right. Was it last year's Warriors? Nope. All right. One of that. Was it? Was a it the 2019 2019 Warriors? It was not. Was it a Warriors championship team? It was not. Okay, so it was the it was the Warriors team that lost to the Cavs in the finals. 2016. Warriors. That is correct. They hit 306 threes, the third most all time, and they shot 39.3 percent from three. This year's Heat team is shooting 39.2 percent from three. And is already ninth all time in makes. And after the next game, they're probably going to be in the top six or seven. You know what that means? They, the Heat are destined to blow a three-one lead, and we know the Nuggets are capable of those three-one <laughs> comebacks. So, well, I mean, we we just had old George on there. He well, saw one up close. Well, two other so two other two other things about this: the team with the most three-point makes in a playoff season ever is this year's Boston Celtics, who played. I figured. Uh, or actually, I'm sorry, it was last year's who hit, who mm-hmm. hit 328 over 24 games. By the uh, way, just to give you an idea, in commemoration of the way the Celtics play and what they do to us and drag us up and down coasts and things, the Nuggets have played 17 playoff games. They ha- it, it will take this series to get to game six before they will have played more than the Celtics did this year. I mean, it's the wild. Celtics, part of the reason why the Celtics are going to have volume records is because right. they drag series out. <laughs> they play long so- series. That's right. <laughs> they don't do sweep. Well, they did sweep the Nets, but they don't yeah. do them often. No, they, they don't do it on the, on the, they're not brief. They don't believe in that. Trust me. Bon Temps and I have to know that firsthand. We will see, you know, by the time this pod comes out, we'll have, you know, heard some things, you know, what the players say. McMahon, one of the things that I'm interested in seeing is the tenor of the Nuggets after Mm. Malone jumped them the other day. Now, let me just say that Michael Malone (laughs) has routinely, over the course of his tenure as coach of the Nuggets, ripped into his team. He's a blunt man. It was, yeah, for years, it was like he would have three times a year, he would have a meltdown over their defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is pretty much, you know, on schedule for them, but I do want to see how they respond because everything right now is so delicate, you know, um, who, you know, who do you, you think you give he was a game targeting with those comments? He was targeting Porter, mm-hmm. but who played, who, despite not shooting well in game one, played a very good all around game yes. game two. He didn't shoot well or play a good all around game, but listen, I, I, Obviously, that kind of attention to detail, the the defense, the little things, they need that from him. And, and Malone's going to hammer on him uh, about that. But this guy got a max contract because of his ability to shoot the ball. At some point, he needs to knock down some shots, too. Well, they, they, they to me, in game three, if he's space cadetting at all, like he was in game two, it's got to be a lot quicker hook. You got to go to mm-hmm. Bruce Brown a lot faster because you can't be giving up these wide open threes of the heat. And as you you talked about with George, Brian, the heat have been playing these glacially slow paced games in the playoffs, which makes up for the fact that they can't really score with Denver. So it's turned into this Rock'em Sock'em Robots game. And even though Denver's offensive rating is really high, if there's only 85 possessions in the game, you can only get to a certain number. And then if Miami's making a bunch of threes, they could keep it competitive. So the Heat did a really good job in every facet, I thought, in game two, playing the game the way they wanted it to be played, from the way Jokic played to the pace to the open shots they were getting. And I think Denver in game three, both from a game plan discipline standpoint, which is where obviously he was really hammering. Michael Malone was really hammering Porter. Mm-hmm. They just, they, the Denver just has to get back to playing they, the way they want to play and the way they need to play. Cause if they do, I don't think the heat could keep up with that. But the problem is through two games, they've generally been, they've, the heat have generally been able to have the game played it the way they want it to be. And we keep saying, you know, we don't think that the heat can keep up with them. Basically we don't think the heat have, enough offensive firepower, but then out of the other side of our mouth, we say, should they bring back Tyler hero? <laughs> you know, it's like, look, I get all the stuff about you concerned about disrupting the rhythm after this unbelievable run that the heat have been on. Um, you know, you, you say, okay, if Tyler hero comes back, that's a guy the nuggets can target uh, on when the heater on the defense end of the floor. But 
like the Heat are going to have to have some explosive offensive nights, and and certainly having Tyler Hero in the mix increases the odds of them being able to to put points on the board. Yeah, my my feel on Hero is that had they been down 0-2, mm-hmm. they would have probably been compelled to go there. With it 1-1, I think they have some options. He may there may be like a a double game plan, like they might activate him so that he's an option, but mm-hmm. not necessarily feel like they have to use him. Well, just the specter the of him, is. just the specter of him of his game plan thing for something for Denver to think about, right? Even even that alone is just giving Michael Malone and his coaching staff another thing to think about and game plan for and strategize about. And that alone is a is a win for Miami. Now, if Hero gets out there for a few minutes and can do something, great. But with the way Duncan Robinson's playing, the way Gabe Vincent's playing, the way Kyle Lowry's playing, I would think maybe you throw him out there for a few minutes, but I don't think they could just have him taking significant minutes from any of those guys with the rhythm and the flow that this group has. I mean, I just don't think that would make a lot of sense, no matter how much firepower he brings to their lineup. Yeah. The other thing I wrote about, I wrote a piece about this and I put it in there and comparing the heat now to the heat in February is kind of a Mm -hmm. challenge. But one of the things that happened this year, Tyler Hero went from being the sixth man of the year to starting every game he played. <clears throat> they had Kyle Lowry as their starting point guard at the start of the season. And for most of the, much of the season, Kyle struggled, didn't play great. He and Tyler, for various reasons, weren't a great pair. They ended up moving Gabe Vincent into the starting lineup alongside Hero. And when Lowry started coming off the bench, he started playing much better. So they kind of yeah. know that Lowry and, and Hero together weren't a great fit. Right. But you absolutely. One thing I don't think is in debate, you can't bring Tyler Hero in to start. So you're going to no. have Hero coming off the bench, which is obviously fine. The man was sixth man of the year. He knows how to play it. But you're going to be probably having to play, unless you're really going to bend your rotation, you're going <clears> to <throat> potentially have him in minutes that you already know didn't work so much this <clears throat> year that you abandoned it with, with Lowry. So that is a concern. And, and that's not something that's un you know, manageable, but you know, when you're, when you're looking for, for ways to bring him back and you're looking at strategy, I mean, that's a factor. You have to consider that. So we've also, also never seen a guy with, take this much time off and come back and play too in the play in the middle of the finals. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Also it's, coming it's, off the heat bench again is, uh, is Kayla Martin, who his confidence was crushed by bond temps when he didn't get that Larry Bird MVP trophy, he just has not been the same guy since two of 10. He also was sick. In the series. He was sick. He was sick while in Denver. Yeah. You sick know, by that, by that, him. by that vote that robbed him of what would have been the, the pounding achievement of his career. I, I think my vote, I think my vote looks just fine. <laughs> I was, I was chastised by the IT department for coming down too hard and too aggressively on you for that. I can't, I can't believe that to be the case. I can't believe that to be the case. Yeah. I mean, look, and I, th- I thought George made a really good point too, in that obviously we're swinging back and forth in these finals games, understandably so, right? Cause we mm-hmm. got three games between these games to talk about them, but like Denver was horrible in game two. They obviously Jokic played great. Basically everybody else was bad. Their defensive coverages were terrible. They gave up all these open threes. They completely fell apart in the fourth quarter of the game. And with all that being said, Denver lost by three and had a chance right. to tie the game at the buzzer, right? They're, they just do have a significant talent advantage and firepower advantage in this series. And we've continued to say this throughout the playoffs, and maybe Miami will defy expectations again. But it, it really, to me, this is really about Denver. And if Denver plays to their level and the way they're capable of, I, I think they should win three more games still. That, that hasn't really changed through the first two games of this series, mm-hmm. despite the fact that Miami's taking back home court advantage. Well, it'll be fun to watch and fun to cover, and we will uh, have more on the Hoop Collective after the game and leading into game four. We have another guest lined up, another good one. So we'll see how it plays out. You guys want to talk more about my high school football career? I I didn't actually (laughs) want to shut that down. I wanted to hear more about it, but, you know, I was trying to respect our listeners. I actually thought it was amazing that you guys, first off, that you guys were in a conference where there was a four-hour drive in between. Talk talk about a road trip. Yeah, the the basketball van rides are brutal because you're just like, you know, but anyways, yes, good times, good times. You were a little more limber in those days than you are now. You you didn't. You didn't need the, the the vat of icy hot that you were uh, slapping. Listen, I heard I heard a report from the game that you held your own, dude. You were, I'm two, not, you listen, were two and two, and you held your own. I know we talk about the NBA, 
But I'm just going to tell you that I had my hands full. Rob Mahoney from The Ringer, and I've played against him. He's an old man pickup version of freaking Kevin McHale. Adam Maris from uh, DNVR. I see why he loves Joker so much. This this dude is freaking whipping behind the back passes out of post-ups to cutters. And he did. There was a report that was accurate. He, he stuffed me twice, and I slammed the ball down and shattered an expletive. Well, I come to find out he was the all-time blocks leader at Colorado College, so I feel better about that. And then Andy Bailey with the Bleacher Report, former college basketball player, like 6'8", 270-ish. Fortunately, I got him in the fourth game when uh, he was not – he was huffing and puffing a little bit himself. But According to McMahon – According to McMahon, Bontemps, in a pickup basketball game with a bunch of 40-year-olds, there were cutters. Oh, my God. This dude, Trey, okay. with heat, who's a heat photographer, good Lord. He, he's And Vic Lombardi with altitude in uh, in Denver, He's I don't know how old the guy is, but he's got to run like a 4-2 freaking 40, and he just is nonstop. My God, he's like you, Mc, some odd. Mc, this is, this is, is a, very focused on these pickup games. This, this is listen. a this is a Mc10 you know level breakdown of no, pickup basketball. Here's Mc10 the thing. level. There is well, yeah, and we can talk about Valley runs too. You don't want to go out there and just get damn embarrassed, you know. If you're going to be sore for three days, you at least want to hold your own. Jesus, there's a little competitive factor here. <laughs> well, we know you're competitive. All right, thank you, McMahon. Thank you, Bontemps. Thank you to Jackson. Thank you to George Niang. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you in a couple of days. Adios, amigos. But they said when they kicked you off the court. <laughs> and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.